Agarbo, and this is the Get Connected Podcast. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to be talking about the Facebook breach. Yes, another one. I think uh, almost uh, half a billion more and counting. Everything from phone numbers to birth dates. We'll tell you what you can do to see if you were affected by it. Also, dark patterns. These are tricks used in websites and apps that make you do things you didn't mean to do, like buying or signing up for something. We've seen Donald Trump and his organization, his campaign, use it recently as well to trick his supporters into literally contributing thousands of dollars more than they initially wanted to. Well, it's now time to get connected. We're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We've got an interesting show today. Later on, we will open up the mailbag, taking your questions and answering them on air. We'll also be talking about dark patterns. This is something that we have covered in the show before, but it's becoming more and more prevalent. The recent uh, news that uh, the Trump campaign has been using dark patterns to get donations has been uh, a little crazy, like literally millions of dollars scammed from his own supporters. Shock and surprise. We're going to be covering what happened there and some of the different types of dark patterns used on websites to lure you in, either to get you to pay more money or give up more of your private information and what you can do about it. We'll also be talking about the big Facebook data leak and how to check if your data has been breached. I think, was it almost half a half a billion accounts? Over 533 million accounts. That is insane. Across 106 different countries. It never ends, eh? Our, our information is just uh, not really, I don't feel protected. I never did with Facebook anyway. Let's look at some of the uh, tech news uh, that uh, is out there right now. Uh, this is interesting. Super Mario Brothers. Do you remember playing that? Yeah, I I play it regularly still. You do? Yeah, so do I. So do I. Uh, Love that game. Uh, Very old now. Came out with, it was the Super Nintendo it came out with, right? I believe Uh, the SN. Well, it it came out for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Okay. Was the original. Well, the most expensive video game ever sold now, it's a sealed copy of it, sold for $660,000 US. Do you have one in your garage still sealed? (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> no, I wish. Uh, but it just shows you how much some of these old tech items and video games can get if they're in good condition. Do you have anything that's still sealed in your garage? Uh, just new stuff, new tech. So years ago, I went, I can't even remember what, I want to say it was like the Vancouver flea market. Because it used to be a great place to go to get retro game cartridges and consoles and stuff like that. Yeah, And I actually bought... Uh, this was for the Atari. I think it was for the ST. It might have been for the the earlier one. The, do you remember Track and Field? The, yes. The video game? Yeah, yeah. They actually uh, came out with uh, a pack you could buy that actually had, uh, it was basically like a little, look, about the size of a brick. Yeah. And it had a start button and two left and right buttons. Yeah, so you could hit you them could, to run. Basically, it's where the term button mashing came from, basically. Yeah. And I actually bought a couple of them and they were still sealed. What? Yeah. I mean, they're not as sexy as Mario and things like that, but the fact that it's a custom controller. Do you still have them? I have one that's been opened because yeah. I wanted to play it. Yeah. But I have one that's still sealed. I wonder how much that's worth. Probably about $6. <laughs> 
Speaking of retro, uh, it's interesting. We're actually shooting a, a new television series for tel, uh, Telus TV that will be coming out in the summer called Get Connected Tech Talk. Basically, taking some of the most asked questions from our listeners and viewers, and uh, doing you know some great uh, segments around them. Uh, we did a great segment uh, around retro computers. Yes. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? I do know where you're going with this. <laughs> so I brought in some of my old Atari computers. I had an old Atari ST and Atari 400 that had the membrane keyboard. Yes. And you brought in a TRS-80, a Radio Shack TRS-80. I brought in a few. Yeah. I brought in the Model 100, the little, uh, probably the original laptop, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I also brought in the color computer with the little chiclet keys. But my favorite, and it was literally my first computer ever, was the Model 3. This is the giant, big, gray, uh, full case. It was all in one. All in one, yeah. yeah. It's it's giant. It's, it's enormous. And it has a screen. It has two little... Uh, Drive bays. Drive bays. Yeah. Uh, mine were unpopulated, unfortunately, but you would put floppies there and, and a giant full-size mechanical keyboard. And so we thought, oh, this will be fun. We'll just put it on the set. I had, I, I actually made a little basic program. Because you plugged it in. It still runs. It still runs, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I tested every couple of years. It's in my garage. I just have it for nostalgia. And I made a, like a little basic program. I just said, like, get connected Tech Talk. And I just had it fill the screen and it looked great. And, you know, it was going to look great on camera. And then we went for lunch. Yeah, because we get everything set up, go for lunch, and then come back and we would shoot the segment. And we're at lunch, uh, just in a room, you know, not too far away. Next to the studio, yeah. And and Robin, our cinematographer, he's like, John, your computer's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so we come into the studio and it is full of smoke. Yeah. So it wasn't actually on fire. What, it, Where does smoke come from, though? Well. Fire. <laughs> not necessarily. Okay. So th- this giant machine has a crt monitor inside and it's got a huge vent along the top and like it's a couple of feet across it's not a small little device and this vent on the top has lots of big holes and i think it's probably just years of accumulation of dust or probably my cat's hair or something that was just sitting on the crt uh, display on the inside okay. and it just started to warm up because it never oh, so it wasn't the circuit board or anything no no because oh. it was still running yeah Not, there was nothing wrong and there was no flame except the fire <laughs> well the smoke the smoke yeah. yeah it started smoking so yeah. but anyways it was a little bit of excitement to my old computer which I'll never turn on again well I think the lesson there is if you have an old computer maybe uh, open it up and dust it off Yes. But it was fun to bring out those old computers and how far we, we've come. Like, how much memory did that thing have? 16 kilobytes. And so, how do you even relate that to today? Like, Well, when you consider that your average smartphone photo is probably at least a megabyte. Yes. At least, if not 10 megabytes. So, your Radio Shack computer was 16 kilobytes of memory, and about 1,000 kilobytes is one megabyte. Yeah. So, you couldn't even load a a photo onto that thing no no i couldn't even type about a photo on that thing. <laughs> but they were amazing back then yeah yeah no and and, and th- this particular machine is very important to me because my grandfather gave it to me and it was really my first personal computer and it sort of set the tone for a lot of what i've done since that's kind of cool yeah yeah I, I uh yeah we didn't boot up any of the other computers for fear of fire <laughs> Uh, but uh, we uh, will be airing that show in the summertime we'll have more details on our website when we get some firm dates uh, on that Uh, also in the tech news uh, Amazon Echo Show 10 you know the digital assistant with the screen 
Yeah. It uh, supports uh, Zoom calls now and with face tracking. Yeah, this is really kind of cool because imagine if you're in your kitchen, you're making breakfast, but you have to take that Zoom call, the, the Zoom meeting. The Amazon Show 10 now has the ability to sort of track you as you're going around, but now it can do it while you're on a Zoom call as well. And you can even get our favorite female smart assistant. I won't say her name to trigger everybody's devices, but uh, you can get her to actually just join your meeting if it's in your calendar. Really? Which is really cool. Automatically. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. And then, then the, the, the tracking mode of the show 10 will then follow you if you want to. Some people like to pace when they're on a call. Right? I do. Yeah. yeah. I like to walk around. Yeah. You hate it because I just like I'm. Because you just like walk out of frame. And yeah. <laughs> Mike, just go to the store. Or? <laughs> well, I've got one of those wireless headsets, right? Yeah. And I, when I'm on, in a meeting or talking, especially like sitting in front of my kitchen computer all day, all, all day. week, all month. Uh, yeah, I like to get up and actually walk around. So that is kind of a cool feature to, because that thing will follow you. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, this feature is available on any of the uh, Amazon devices that have a screen. Yeah. Um, or presumably you need a camera. So the show five, which is what I have a couple of those in my house and they're fantastic. You could do that. You're not going to, you know, if you have a bunch of people on your team, uh, in your zoom call, you're going to be tiny little thumbnails literally. Yeah. Um, but if you're just doing a one-on-one call, it's perfect for that type of thing. And you don't have to, you know, tie up your computer while you're, you know, making lunch or whatever. Yeah. It's so interesting. All the technologies that the pandemic has pushed to the forefront now, you know, I mean, there was always video conferencing and, and video meeting apps, but now it's just like, an integral part of our life now. Like yeah. I, I'm expecting soon, like even my Tesla, you know, a lot of the Tesla owners are, uh, you know, asking Elon Musk to, to build Zoom yeah. capabilities because there's a camera inside. You've got like 80 cameras in your Tesla. <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, and the thing is like you can, I've done Zoom calls while driving to the office Yeah. just over audio because CarPlay supports it. And I think Android Auto does as well. Yeah. So. Okay, we still have uh, a lot to talk about on today's program. And, you know, it really is about, uh, I would say, privacy. We are so connected now. Our information is just everywhere and not being protected that well. So we're going to be talking about dark patterns. The Trump campaign is using dark patterns to get donations. And some would say scamming his own user base for literally millions of dollars uh, without them really fully knowing about it. Some people are losing thousands of dollars where they thought they're just donating a few hundred dollars because of these dark patterns. It just keeps billing them for thousands of dollars, which is kind of freaky. Yeah, and it's really hard to get out of, but we'll talk more about that. We're going to talk about Facebook now, as we do every other show, because somehow something's got leaked or they've done something bad bad well it turns out that there has been a huge facebook data breach once again upwards of over 533 million facebook users from 106 countries had their personal data leaked online this included things like phone numbers facebook ids birth dates and this is a concern because identity theft crooks that's what they use they use things like your phone number your birthdays to get access, even more access to your personal information and even take out things like credit cards in your name. Yeah. No, this is this is just another piece of the puzzle that they need to build that profile about you. And any any information they can get from you that they can either confirm, that can be used against you. And we're seeing an increase lately of uh, scammers and spammers 
threatening you by giving you very specific information that you know you didn't think was out on the internet, but it probably is through your Facebook or through your friend tagging you on Facebook or something like that. They are able to build this profile, and then these profiles are then bought and sold on the internet. So this helps people build lists so they can spam you. They set up phone number lists so they can call you and try to scam you out of your money. Yeah, and the problem is when they get access to things like your passwords, they then use software and bots and basically cycle through these passwords that they've got for you, for example, John, and go through all the other sites that you might visit, like banking sites, like e-commerce sites. But it's even bigger than just getting your password, right? The The challenge is uh, if they can build a big enough profile and have enough information about you, they don't even need your password. They'll just create a new account in your name. Very true. Right? And they'll take out a mortgage in your name for a property that you're not living at. <laughs> or they'll buy a car or do some other big thing. And this is how identity theft happens. So uh, one of the things that you can do to sort of see if you've been breached as part of this Facebook breach, I, I looked and I couldn't find any definitive information that Canada was included in that list, but it seems kind of inevitable that we would have been. Um, and so there's actually a really good website. And we've talked about this before. It's called Have I Been Pwned? And it's owned with a P instead of an O. P-W-N-E-D. So, yeah, dot com. And you go there and you put in uh, whatever contact information you think might be compromised. So if you have a, a like an email or even your phone number, it'll show you where that stuff shows up on the dark web in these giant lists. So Of ones that they know that have been breached. Yeah, and the interesting thing is it'll actually show you which services have been breached with that those credentials. So, uh, like Mike, you just did your phone number. Yes. And you're okay. I'll yeah, but I've put my email, I've put m- multiple yeah. emails in here and I have been breached. Yeah. But it'll tell you what it was. And sometimes it's a low risk breach. Like, okay, so they've got my email, big deal. That's on our website, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. But it's when they they have it on a service or a, um, a website that you didn't even think that you were part of, or it's something that is actually maybe critical, like your bank or something like that. And it'll actually show you where these things appear. And these are lists that are bought and sold on the internet, like we mentioned earlier. So yeah. this will show you that this particular site is looking at these lists that are circulating on the internet. And you know where can we actually uh, triangulate and create a profile about Mike, for example, and you know they'll grab information from one website that you know he's given his information to that's had a breach and then they'll take a little bit more information from somewhere else and they'll build this fuller profile and that can then be used to then either take advantage of your existing accounts or create new accounts for you that you don't even know about. I'm just looking on this site now and I've typed in one of my email addresses and it's not good like yeah I've there's six different data breaches here uh, MGM resorts uh, slick wraps this um, kind of wraps for phones and things like that yep. and my heritage a genealogy website that I've gone to before yeah so but that's the nice thing about this site and it's it's safe to put your stuff in there because you're not giving up anything that isn't already out there <laughs> apparently <laughs> But, and it'll tell you the circumstances of the breach, right? So yeah. some of these are older breaches and they're probably less of a concern because maybe all you had on that particular site was your email address because you signed up for a newsletter or something like that. Where it's more of a concern is when you get a, a, a match for a, maybe a bigger site that maybe you know for a fact you have your credit card information on. So you need to sort of dive a little deeper. And this kind of gives you the, like the Wikipedia view of that particular breach, the circumstances of it, what was 
known to be taken, compromised, and when it even happened. We're talking about data breaches, and I think I would have to say most people have probably been affected in one way or another. There's a site that we've gone to. It's called HaveIBeenPwned.com, and pwned is spelled P-W-N-E-D, HaveIBeenPwned.com. This is a great website. You simply type in your phone number or your email address, and it will give you a list of any websites that your phone number or email has been hacked or breached. So this just reemphasizes what we say all the time is make sure that if you're having, uh, if you're creating an account on something that you're actually putting your credit card into, so any of the streaming services, any of those places, if you can, get a unique email address just for that service. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it becomes a little bit of a problem, but at least then you know, okay, well, I had a Netflix account that I'll use my Netflix at gmail.com account yeah. with. Um, I'll know that if that particular email address gets compromised, I'll know who shared it as well. Yes. Right? Because yeah. that's the other thing is a lot of these places, they'll take your information to help you set up an account, even if it's a, something you're not even paying for, especially when if you're not paying for it, that means you're the product, not yes. the service. And There is no free lunch. No. And they will sell that list of mail or email addresses and then somebody will use that to either create an account or compromise your account somewhere else. So a few lessons here. Have multiple email accounts for the different websites you're, you're visiting. Yeah, and there's a few tricks you can do too. Even with a Gmail account, you can actually just do, you know, whatever your Gmail address is and then there's, and just go online. It'll tell you on Google how to do this, but you can actually create unique email addresses that are tied to your original email. Especially if they're an alias. You just add a period and then you give it a unique name. So some people do like, you know, John at gmail.com. I'll, I'll put john.spam at gmail.com and that will let me know that that's my spam account that I'm going to give away to a site that I don't care about. But it's still tied to your main account. It still comes into your main account, yeah. Yeah, so... so, so you, there's, there's very specific syntax, so just look it up before you do it, just just so you don't give away someone else's email address instead of yours. And, and most importantly, use different passwords for the websites yes. you're using. Yeah, because all it takes is one of them to get this and they're going to get all of your other accounts that you've used the same setup with. We're going to talk about something that we all need to understand and be aware of. It's something called dark patterns. This is a, a phrase that Harry Brignall coined back in 2010. And John, explain what dark patterns are when it comes to websites well, and data. There's a couple of different ways it can be, you know, sort of explained or approached. And it typically it involves you either signing a f like filling out a form or even just navigating a website you never know like it's impossible to find a way to unsubscribe from a service or cancel the service oh yeah right because they want to make it difficult so that you don't do it they call that the roach motel yeah. it's easy to get in but you never get out exactly yeah. yeah so so that's just one example of the basically they make it really hard to to get out of that system it's kind of like how casinos are laid out right like you can never get out of the casino because <laughs> they want you to stay in there and keep spending money yeah just, all the escalators go in but there's no escalators <laughs> or moving sidewalks going out and god help you if you need a bathroom yes um but yeah so there, that means there's a number of different styles i'm not going to get into all of them but if you just look up darkpatterns.org you can see a breakdown of all of these things and it's actually quite scary slash disgusting how uh, ruthless people are using these techniques to keep you in a subscription service. Sometimes you're filling in a form and they'll actually have hidden checkboxes that'll opt you into things that you didn't even opt into. 
And that's what the Trump campaign has been doing since 2016, apparently. Yeah. And uh, there's a great article up on TheVerge.com that uh, goes through some of this with uh, a lot more information. Uh, But, uh, yeah, they basically are sending out, you know, these emails and that contribution emails to get the supporters to obviously give money to the campaign. But buried in all of the fine text are um, checkboxes already checked for you saying, you know, hey, uh, keep me subscribing on a weekly or monthly basis. So even though you might have thought you're just donating one time, and there's like a bunch of examples in this article where, you know, they just thought they're donating like $900. And later on, they found out they've donated thousands of dollars. It's because they didn't go through all of the fine print. Well, and this is the scary thing. And, and we see this all the time. People it's like, I can't get out of this. Like, will you agree to the terms and conditions? You just click the okay button. You didn't read the things. You didn't uncheck all the things that were pre-checked for you. And that's exactly what's happened here. And it's really scary when you're, you know, you're checking out from a donation thing that, you know, you're trying to do some good. You're trying to support your candidate, whatever, you know, I'm not going to judge you if you voted for Trump. Maybe I will, but, um, but the fact that they had all these pre-selected options and I guarantee you, these were very small, very difficult to read for like a normal person, um, unless you actually like zoomed in and read all the fine print. And some of these are like automatically subscribing on a weekly basis for donating additional hundreds of dollars. There's one example, someone who donated $500, he found out that his credit card actually was uh, tapped for $3,000 before he was able to turn it off. So there's a conservative fundraising site that's processing these payments called WinRed. And uh, apparently the banks and credit card companies, you know, that the journalists, I think New York Times did something on this as well, uh, have said that there are a huge amount of chargebacks, fraud claims, basically, from users that donated money but didn't realize they were donating way more than that they had signed up for. A Trump spokesperson, according to this article admitted at least $19.7 million worth of its transactions had been disputed. Well, and the crazy thing too is if you saw a win red on your credit card statement, you'd like, well, what's that? Yeah. It, it, they didn't decl- disclose what the chargeback was for. So that means that you have to go there and call and figure out, you know, and dispute the claim. So that's just more time and effort on your part and hassle. And, you know, th- the interesting thing though is this particular company still made $5 million worth of payment processing fees from those that wanted refunds right it's insane john yeah it's such a scam and i can't believe that these people that are supporting him are being taken advantage of and they just like and they still give money yeah it's insane yeah yeah forget the politics side just just the the scummy nature of this this approach California has just passed a landmark privacy bill banning dark patterns last month, which is a step in the right direction, but they're they're still prevalent on thousands of websites out on the internet right now. Sadly, it's almost like a a template for a lot of developers and they want to try to keep you in. I mean, we have a, a subscription newsletter and we make it very easy for you to opt out. Once you donate one hundred dollars, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but it's. I mean, a lot of online games are like this as well. Yeah. Have you ever subscribed to some of these online games and just can't get out? 
No, because I feel like they're going to be a scam. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, and again, you know, these dark patterns we're talking about, you know, there's trick questions in there. Uh, some of them are sneaking things into your basket uh, as you're going through a purchasing cycle. This is great. Uh, a good example with software, like you're trying to download some software. And then because you haven't read the fine print, there are boxes that have already been checked off. Oh, you're also going to get this free antivirus software or for another $10, here's this antivirus software, and it's just in your basket, and you just didn't even know about it. Well, and especially when you're doing an install of that software, that's yes. also a dark, dark pattern, where they're like, oh, you want this this you know shiny new application? Here's an additional couple of things we'll install in the background that will actually harvest all your keystrokes. Uh, disguised ads are another way to... Uh get you to click on them, for example. They look like, you know, maybe you're trying to download something and I've, I've seen this a million times. There are download buttons, like three other download buttons, but they're not the download button. They're actually an ad that take you somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, especially any, uh, you know, downloading any kind of software or video or audio content. That's a common thing is these services will host that stuff, but how they get paid is they're expecting you to click on a couple of these bad ads. Another one uh, is something called forced continuity. This is when your free trial with the service comes to an end and your credit cards start silently getting charged as well. And see that you got to be careful, like, because there's a lot of these things out there, three months free, but they want your credit card. Yeah. The good ones will say no credit card needed to do the trial. <laughs> there's not a lot of good ones out there, John. No. We're going to open up the listener mailbag, taking your questions and answering them on the air. We have a great one from one of our listeners in Alberta. Yeah, Mark is basically kind of calling us out on our love for electric vehicles. It's it's an, And it's a good question. Uh, both John and I have EVs. I've got a Tesla Model 3. You've got a Kia Soul. Yep. And uh, read his question out. Yeah, so his concern is that uh, he lives in the Alberta prairies and he is concerned that an electric vehicle will not be the appropriate vehicle for someone on the prairies during a minus 40 degree Celsius blizzard, for example, because of the range. And he mentions the fact that, you know, if you want to make a long trip for a couple hundred kilometers, you have to sort of plan that out. And, you know, he, he makes the case for the good old combustion engine and, you know, on the farm, maybe that is still the best option. Yes. But you really have to think about what your range is. And this is what we've said all along. It's like, you know, if you're just doing quick trips down to the corner store every day, drive into the office every day, figure out what your mileage is, and then figure out how many times you can go in a given week, say, doing your regular routine. And purchase a vehicle that's appropriate to the range that you need. But the other thing, though, is that literally every day, the world becomes a better place for EVs in the fact that there's more and more chargers available. Yes. So you uh, you went, uh, did some work in, in the Okanagan, which is- Yeah, the Soyuz, British so, Columbia. Yeah, which is a, you know, a couple hour drive away. Yeah, it's about a five hour drive. Five hour drive. Yeah. yeah. Through the mountains. Through the mountains, yes. which is a key point. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the dead of winter. No. But it was still- you know, a, a long distance and you did have to stop a few times. I stopped twice. I could have just stopped once, but yeah. I just wanted to make sure because I'm going through the mountains in wintertime yeah. that I was fully charged. So I stopped in Hope and, uh, you know, had a nice coffee there at one of the local bakeries. 
and charged it up full. And then uh, Princeton now has a supercharging station. Yeah. And I stopped there as well. Yeah. But I could have kept going to a Soyuz and made it, no problem. Yeah. So my, my car has about a 360 kilometer range. Did you notice any change in that? in the winter when we had a cold spell here? For yeah, so when it's cold, there's definitely more battery used, right? Because you are heating your car up, it's cold outside, yeah. the battery is cold. I don't know all the science behind that, but it's just, you don't get as much range when it's it's cold out. So he's got some good concerns, right? Yeah. The, the prairies, it's big, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you could be driving for, you know, 100 kilometers or a few hundred kilometers. But, um, you know, I, I have to cite Norway, you know, more than 40% of new cars sold in Norway in 2019 were EVs. Yeah. And it's cold there in That's the winter time. It's, it's probably colder than the prairies there. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's a great article up on a website called electrek.co, electrek, electrek.co. And uh, they actually interviewed uh, a Norwegian that owns a Model 3 Tesla up in the Arctic Circle. And basically, uh, he just said, got to plan your trips out. He didn't have a problem. He actually liked the fact, though, that it was much easier to start his car in cold weather. He didn't have to worry about uh, warming it up. This is the key thing that I think a lot of people also don't realize is when you have an electric vehicle, for the most part, you have an app. I have an app for my Kia. You have one for your Tesla. I can, if it's plugged in in my driveway, like I have a carport, so it's just there. I can actually remotely schedule that at seven o'clock in the morning, start warming up the car. I'm not in it. I'm not even turning on the car. No. It's turning on my seat heat. It's turning on my my internal um, heat system in the car. and Defrosting the windows. Defrosting the windows. So I come out, I don't even have to t- like brush off my car because no, it's, it's all warm. Right? Yeah. And you can just have it sitting doing that for a long time on the batteries or in these things. Well, this one article here, this, uh, this fellow in Norway, basically saying he came back from a trip uh, back to, you know, he was parked it at uh, the airport up there. Uh, in where is Kirk, Kirkness? I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, but the temperatures had dropped to minus 32 Celsius while he was gone. But when he got back, while he was waiting for his luggage, he just went to the app, told it to warm up his Tesla. He came out 10 minutes later and completely ready to go. Yeah. So that is a nice feature. And to your point, the e- EV world is getting better and better. They are putting, for Tesla anyway, superchargers everywhere. I'm looking on the map in Alberta, and they're in every major city, obviously, in multiple ones, Edmonton and Calgary. They're in Red Deer, they're in Medicine Hat, and they're going to all the little small cities uh, as well. So you're never more than, uh, you know, a hundred... Uh, kilometers or a couple hundred kilometers away from a Tesla supercharger. And then there's all the second uh, level two chargers that are available. They're not as fast, no, no question, no. but they're they're kind of everywhere now. Well, and the thing is too, is like you're not spending an hour at these superchargers. You can, like you no. said, you go grab, grab a coffee, maybe go to the restroom. I was out in 20 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. you're back up to top. Yeah. Yeah. Or in one, you know, in Princeton, I just watched some Netflix. <laughs> That's another perk that Tesla owners have. Yeah. So you know what? We're we're not totally there yet with electric vehicles. So I do feel for you. And Alberta, obviously, more oil and gas. Yeah. As well, and you know, there's greater distances. So maybe for Mark, uh, you know, a combustion engine is still the way to go. I don't know if he's driving a truck or, or what have you, but uh, Tesla's coming out with trucks. Rivian is coming out with trucks. There's a new Hummer as well. I think the next five years will be interesting. You're going to get better and better EVs. Like mine only does 350 kilometers, but you know, the newer cars, you can get 500 kilometers plus range on there. And you know, when you get to that point, does range even matter anymore? You can pretty well get anywhere. Yeah. 
Well, and there's always chargers around. Well, and that was sort of the value proposition I chose with my particular Kia. I got the lower end Kia. There's two models of my particular 2021 vehicle. Yeah. The bigger one gets about 500 kilometers. That's a lot. The mine gets 300. Yeah. I bought it in the summertime. I was getting th- over 300 kilometers. Uh, in the wintertime, it dropped down to about 250 just because it was, and again, these are estimates. These yes. aren't actuals because there's a lot of different variables and the car will actually tell you all that type of yeah. stuff. Too. So yeah, no question. It, the range goes down in the wintertime when it's cold. Yeah. And yeah, does it get cold out in Alberta on the prairies? Hell yeah. Yeah. So uh, you just got to look at your use, uses, right? Uh, you know, how many kilometers are you driving a day? Uh, and, you know, you should look at it. Just, you know, maybe a gas car or truck is better for you right now, but I am saving so much on gas right now. It's insane, John. I'm saving thousands of dollars a year. Well, the other thing that I also factored in with my purchase was like, I can go to the office four times in a given week and not have to charge. But the reality is I charge every night. It takes a much less time. I'm literally using a wall outlet. I'm not using a level two or a level three charger for this. And I'm always topped up. Yeah. Like my, my regular, I haven't even put in a, uh, level two charger yeah. in my house yet. I'm getting about 10 kilometers an hour charge overnight. Um, I'm fully charged up again. Yeah. You know, I get about a hundred kilometers, you know, over or even 120 kilometers. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the key message is that things are changing and they're going to be changing. Your gas station's also going to become your electricity station soon. If and, it hasn't and, already. And most shopping malls in that they're building it in. Right. And, and, <laughs> The great thing is the shopping malls are free. It's like, imagine going to a gas station and getting free gas just because you're wanting to go shopping at the mall nearby. Yeah. That's what I love about a lot of the malls. Well, the problem is I get sucked in and I start buying stuff. Well, <laughs> that, that is the only downside right now. That is true. But it's not a big deal. No, no. I, I, at least in an urban center. Definitely Mark has a point. Maybe if he lives in a small, he doesn't tell us where he lives exactly, but he just says he lives in the prairies. If you live in Calgary or Edmonton or Red Deer, you're, you're good. Yeah. I know I'm going to get hate mail about this but <laughs> Mark let us know where you live and we'll yeah we'll you, you might not be ready yet but I'm saying in the next five years there's gonna be some compelling arguments to look at an electric vehicle not only cost wise but so much more selection that's the challenge right now there's not huge amounts of selection out there and the prices are high for them yeah the, the other thing too is that a lot of these electric vehicles right now except for maybe the Tesla are just conversions from gas vehicles yeah they're starting to come out with vehicles that have been designed from the ground up to be EVs and that's going to change a lot of things Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, on every Sunday across the country and Saturday nights in Toronto. We have a great program on The App Show coming up. You'll want to check out a great interview we uh, have done with Rain Maida. He is uh, the lead singer of Our Lady Peace and the chief product officer of a cool new app called The Sing App, NFTs for musicians and songs. Looking forward to hearing that. Uh, we'll also be talking with Ted Kritsonos about Grammarly. This is a great program slash app that helps you write better. If you think you're writing well, you got to check out Grammarly. It'll take it to the next level. And finally, everyone seems to be wearing an Apple Watch now. There is an awesome new app called Clockology that helps you make custom Apple Watch faces. You want a Rolex? Do you want Star Wars, Donkey Kong on your Apple Watch face? We're going to tell you how to do it. I want to thank John and Christina for helping put the show together. We will see you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Get Connected podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review us. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or CuriousCast.ca. If you want to get in touch with us, you got to check out our website, GetConnectedMedia.com. We've always got great contests going there. You can drop us a line anytime. We'll see you again next time. Thank you.